Our text for this morning is Luke 1, 11 through 17, and 26 through 38. We, we have um, taken a break from our Romans series. We're going to start back Romans the first Sunday of the new year, January 1st. And uh, because the, the next few chapters in Romans are very practical and have a lot to do with life in the body and in the church. So start reading Romans 12 and 13 and 14 and 15 and 16. Start reading them, getting ready for the new year. But, but this time of year, we focus on the special events surrounding the birth of our Savior. And Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2. I'm so thankful that God used Luke. People acknowledge Luke to be one of the great historians. You know, they don't believe it's in, in, in academia. They don't believe that it's the Word of God. But they acknowledge Luke was a, a darn good historian. <laughs> like Tacitus and other Roman Josephus, other historians. So we find much of the detail of what we know went on at the, at the birth of Jesus because Luke was a careful historian. He interviewed Mary. <laughs> uh, it, it seems like he interviewed uh, people close to uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah. He knows Luke gives us details that no other writer of the gospel does. Real specific details about time and place. Literally calendar dates. In the sixth month, he's going to tell us the angel Gabriel came to Mary. So I'm thankful for Luke and thankful that we have so much information uh, to, to, tell, to tell us what went on surrounding the birth of Jesus. But kids, what do you have on top of your Christmas tree? A star? Cool. What is it big? What? How big? What, Annabeth? You have a bird on top of your Christmas tree? At the very top? Wow. Is it near the star? We, we've got some conflicting reporting going on here. There's no star. A dove. Well, that's a real, that's a good symbol. Yeah, the, the sign after the flood. Jonah sent out a dove. That's a good symbol. We put things on our trees that symbolize different aspects of, of Jesus' birth and different aspects of our salvation. So a star, a dove is a good thing to have on top of your tree, but a lot of people use stars. And, and, and a star, a lot of people put angels. And both are, are good symbols of, of what happened that first Christmas. The star that led the wise men to Bethlehem. God shining His light in the darkness. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And God's light shines through Jesus. So a star shining bright with light, that's a great symbol for Christmas time. But angels too. We have an angel on our tree that we've had for about how many years? 30 forever our Christmas tree we started with a star and now we switched to an angel but we've had her that angel about 30 years um, angels are definitely a good symbol to have on your Christmas tree because uh, angels were very involved in that first Christmas um, of course the most famous are the angels that appeared to the shepherds remember and announced to the shepherds what they would find when they got to Bethlehem. A baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. And, and that was going to be the sign. And then that 
song that they sang, the huge angel choir, glory to... We're going to sing that song in just a little bit. Our final song today is going to be the song of the angels. Glory to God in the highest. Gloria in excelsis Deo. And on earth peace. But what are angels? What are angels? Why do they play such an important role in the birth of Jesus? Well, first of all, angels are not people. Okay? And they're not very much like what you see on TV. They've got a, lot, a lot of movies have angels in them and they pretty much look like ordinary people. Well, most of the time when people see angels in the Bible, they're scared to death. <laughs> and most of the time, it, it appears to them in such shining light that they're, they're, they're scared to death. Angels are not people. People do not become angels when they die and go to heaven. Um, people are special creations of God in this world, in this creation. People, us, we're, we're image bearers of God. Angels can sometimes appear in human form, uh, when, especially when they're talking to people, but they're not human beings. Angels are a special creation of God in the, His world out of this world. They're a special, out of this world creation of God. They are personal spirit beings that serve and worship God constantly in heaven. But most often in the Bible, angels are God's messengers. Um, in fact, that's what the word angelos actually means. And in Hebrew, malachi. It means messenger. When God is getting ready to do something big in history, in space and time, He often sends a messenger, an angelos, to announce it in advance. And from what we can tell, the chief messenger is Gabriel. Gavarail. The power, the, the name itself, Gabriel, means the power and might or the greatness of God. So when God's about to do something really big, something really powerful, something really mighty, He would send Gabriel to tell people about it. Now, the birth of John the Baptist, who would get people ready for the birth of Jesus and the actual birth of Jesus on Christmas, those were big deals. God was going to come Himself in the person of Jesus and rescue His people from their sins. God was going to show His power and might, His greatness, not just by acting in history, but by coming into history. Coming into our space and our time as one of us. So God sent Gabriel. Gabriel. He's about to do something big. He sends His chief messenger, Gabriel, to announce the good news, the gospel, first to Zechariah, John's father, and then to Mary who was going to become the mother of Jesus. And Gabriel knew what he was talking about. Gabriel was an angel who lived in the presence of God and knew everything God had told his people through his word. So Gabriel announced the good news of the birth of Jesus, God our Savior, to the world and to us. And when angels speak, we should pay attention. Remember, I said when God has something important to say, He sends Gabriel. So it's an important message 
not just for Zechariah, but for Mary and for us, his people as well. When angels speak, we need to pay attention. So this morning, kids, we're going to look at the message that Gabriel gave to Zechariah and the message that he gave to Mary because it's also a message for us. It's a message that God was going to pour out his grace on us to save us, his people, from our sins so that we could live forever with him. And that's the best news ever. That should bring us more joy than anything else in the whole world. And so, thinking about that angel that some of us put on top of our tree, does that help explain why? Gabriel, God's chief messenger, preaching the gospel. This morning's message is the gospel according to Gabriel. Luke 1, 13 through 17. This is God's Word. It's not Mr. Matt's Word. It's not New Philadelphia Presbyterian Church's Word. This is the Word of the Lord forever in the heavens. Verse 13 of Luke chapter 1. But the angel, and, it, and I added Gabriel. Which angel is he talking about here? The angel Gabriel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness. And many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. It seems like John was kind of set apart for service to the Lord. Much like a Nazarite. The Nazarite vow in Numbers chapter 6. So it seems almost like John was a New Testament in transitional Nazarite figure. Remember, uh, wasn't Samson also a Nazarite, which is why he wasn't allowed to cut his hair? Well, John didn't cut his hair either and didn't drink wine or strong drink. But the cool thing about that is he was filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. Talk about grace. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before him, John will go on before him, the Lord your God, in the spirit of power and of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And then... The, the gospel according to Gabriel as announced to Mary. Remember I told you real specific details? In the sixth month, he tells us, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, 
the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing shall be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these words that you inspired Luke to write down for us so that we could know the events surrounding the birth of Jesus. But Lord, you inspired them uh, via Luke, not so we would just know historical data, but so that we would hear the gospel. And I thank you that you chose Luke to write it down for us, but thank you that you chose Gabriel to come from your presence and to announce to the world what was about to happen, a great pouring out of your grace that you yourselves were coming into space and time. Father, use these words this morning to encourage us, to challenge us. I pray that you would get me out of the way, help these precious people see Jesus. Lord, cleanse my lips so that my mouth might declare your praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Sometimes it seems when we, when we think about the Bible and Bible times, it feels to me like we lose sight of the time factor involved. We're so used to stories and movies that begin and end that resolve themselves in an hour and a half that when we read stories from the Bible, we forget that these were real human beings living in real space and time just like us. Most of the events that took place in the Bible, most of the Bible stories that we read about, took place in the space of about 1,200 years. From Moses and the Exodus to Jesus and his life, birth, life, death, burial, and resurrection. 1,200 years. The stories in Genesis that we have were proto-history. We can't... We, can't uh, we don't have archaeological and historical evidence to to uh, go with what we have in the Bible. So we don't know for sure how long it was from Adam to Moses or Adam to Abraham. Um, but from Moses on, we can tie it very closely to extra-biblical study, um, to, to extra-biblical history and archaeology. And the largest part of the Bible, the prophets, were written between about 780 B.C., and 450 to 500 B.C. God had a lot to say in that time period. In that 250 to 300 year time period, there was a rash of prophetic revelations of what the Messianic age would be like. What would it be like when God brought his people back from captivity and exile? What would the dawn of the Messianic age be like? There was a, a rash the largest part of the Bible is that. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and, and then the minor prophets. That God had a lot to say during that 250 to 300 year period. And it kept getting clearer and clearer about who Messiah would be and what that age would look like. But then it went silent. And the silence was deafening. For 
400 to 450 years, from Malachi 4 to Luke 1, nothing. No new revelations from God. And that was a long time. 400 to 450 years, silence. No word from the Lord. That was a long time, especially for people who were used to hearing from God on a pretty regular basis, now simply having to exercise faith in the promises that he gave their forefathers. But that period of silence was the calm before the storm. All heaven was about to break loose as God was about to reveal himself in the biggest way ever. Bigger than the Red Sea, bigger than Sinai, bigger than the walls of Jericho, bigger than David and Goliath, bigger than the temple itself. God was going to reveal himself fully in the person of a human being from Nazareth, born in Bethlehem. The entrance of God into our space and time, the birth of Jesus, God's ultimate revelation of himself was the biggest event in history up to that point. And like I told the kids, when God is about to do something really big to display his power and might, who else would he send to tell folks about it than his chief messenger, Gabriel, whose very name means the greatness and power and might of God. So after 400 plus years of silence, God sent Gabriel to Palestine and to announce that something really great, really big, really mighty and powerful was about to happen. Now, we first heard of Gabriel 500 years earlier when he appeared to the prophet Daniel. And Gabriel's message then to the prophet Daniel was about the future coming of Messiah, the Anointed One, something really big. And interesting, it was in the context of Daniel lamenting and confessing his own sins and the sins of the people that Gabriel came to him with this message. It, it, it's found in Daniel 9. These are Daniel's words. While I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my plea before Yahweh my God for the holy hill of my God, Jerusalem, Zion, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at first, he, he, he appears a couple chapters earlier, came to me in a swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. And he made me understand, speaking with me and saying, Oh, Daniel, I have now come to, out to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, remember Daniel was confessing his sin and the sins of his people to the Lord, Gabriel says, at the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I have come to tell it to you. Very interesting. For you are greatly loved. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. Did you notice there, Daniel preaches a, a prototype gospel, a prophetic gospel here. In the context of confession of their sins, Gabriel tells Daniel that God has heard his cry for mercy and that Daniel is greatly loved. Daniel is greatly loved. Gabriel's message is going to include God's response out of love to the sins of his people. In other words, God's mercy and grace 
towards sinners because of his love for them, the gospel. So the next time we hear from Gabriel, 500 years later, he's announcing the same thing. Messiah was going to be born shortly after the birth of a special messenger to prepare his way before him, John the Baptist. But John's very name meant compassion. Yahweh Hanan. Yahweh is, has compassion. And Yahweh was about to pour out his compassion, mercy and grace, by saving his people from their sins, which is what the name Jesus means. John the Baptist's name means God ha Yahweh has compassion. And Jesus' name means Yahweh saves. So even in their very names, there's an announcement of the grace and compassion of God that's about to be poured out on the world. Zechariah, still shaking in his boots from seeing an angel in the first place, doubted Gabriel's word. It was just too incredible. But Gabriel basically says to him, don't you know who I am? <laughs> he, Zechariah was terrified at first because of this angel standing at the right hand of the altar, it says. And, and he's terrified, but he, 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 he doubts. Remember I said sometimes... The gospel, in our prayer we prayed, sometimes the gospel is too unbelievable. It's too good to be true. And, and, and so Gabriel basically says, don't you know who I am, Zechariah? I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and bring you this gospel, this good news. I just came from the presence of God, he says. I'm used to hearing God's voice declaring His Word before it even gets to His prophet. Do you not want to hear the good news of God's mercy and compassion on sinners? Do you want to know God's final solution to the sin problem in this world? Are you going to believe the Word of the Lord? Now, shut up, Zechariah, and listen. And Zechariah was struck with muteness. He, he, he couldn't speak from that time until the baby was born. But as you can tell from his announcement to Zechariah, Gabriel paid attention to the word of the Lord. He came from the very presence of God. He paid attention to what God had spoken in the past. He basically told Zechariah what was about to happen with the birth of John, sent to herald the birth of Jesus. He told him it's the fulfillment of, of, of what God had promised through the prophets. Gabriel knew his Bible. He heard God speak it before it was given to the prophet in the presence of God. Gabriel basically quotes Malachi in his message here to, to uh, Zechariah. The angel Gabriel said, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will call his name Yohanan, and you will have, many will have joy and gladness. Many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord and must not drink wine or strong drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go before him, the Lord, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Gabriel's just quoting Malachi. Ironically enough, the word Malachi in Hebrew, Malachi, means angel, messenger. 
the, the word Malachi means messenger just like Angelos does. But Gabriel basically quotes Malachi from Malachi 3 and 4. Here's what Malachi had to say. Behold, I will send my messenger, Malachi. He, he makes a play on his own name there. Behold, I will send my Malachi, Malachi, but, but he's talking about John the Baptist. He will prepare the way before me, which we learned last week was John, none other than John himself. And the Lord whom ye seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like a fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. And he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. And they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord, as in the days of old, as in the former years. And then he goes on to quote from Malachi 4. Gabriel, using Malachi's words to announce the gospel to Zechariah. Behold, Malachi said, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the children to their father, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Did you hear the echoes when we read the Luke text, the echoes of Malachi in that text? A messenger would be sent before the coming of the Lord. And then the Lord himself would come finally to wash his people from their sins. The Lord himself was going to come and make things right again because of his mercy, compassion, and grace. Gabriel told Zachariah, that the gospel was about to unfold before him, before his very eyes. But Gabriel's message to Zechariah, Gabriel's gospel message was about to get even clearer. Gabriel announced the grace of the gospel to Mary. Let's look back at our text that we read. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Greatly troubled in heart was probably an understatement. Uh, you know, it's not every day that an angel appears to a young girl in Nazareth. Um, but this greeting from Gabriel to Mary was far more than just an ordinary, hey Mary, how you doing today? No. Read this, this greeting. Greeting, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Literally, Gabriel says to Luke, uh, according to Luke, this is the, was the greeting, grace to you, O one who has found grace. Literally, that's what it says. Grace to you, a one who has found grace. Or if in Aramaic, peace be upon you, a one who has found grace. These are the words, this greeting are the words from which our Catholic friends get the Hail Mary. Only Gabriel's not praying to Mary here. Gabriel's announcing the gospel to Mary. Mary was not full of grace in and of herself. She was the recipient of grace 
of unmerited favor from the Lord and was about to have the personification of grace, Jesus, in her very womb. A new physical creation of the Holy Spirit weaving together the DNA of Jesus. Luke wrote in Greek, and the words grace to you, charis, those words, that was a common uh, uh, Greek greeting. But it's chalked full of gospel message. Even if Luke was translating Mary's, the exact words of Gabriel to Mary from the Aramaic, Mary's mother tongue, still the gospel shines through. Peace to you, O one who has found grace. In Arabic, shalom aleich. Peace be upon you, O one who has found grace. Is that not also the heart of the gospel? We have peace with God because of the grace that comes to us through Jesus. And so did Mary. So did Mary. Mary also had peace with God because grace was poured out to her by the baby she was about to have in her womb. It's amazing. Gabriel was telling Mary that Yahweh, through the baby in her womb, was going to save his people from their sins. <clears throat> That's what his name meant. Mary was one of those people. And so are we. This was really big. This was, this was good news. This was the gospel according to Gabriel to Mary, but for the world. Mary's son would be called holy. So, so this, this, there you have it. The announcement of the gospel to Mary. Grace to you, peace to you, O you who have found grace. Mary's son was going to be called holy, the son of the most high God. He was going to save his people from his sins, but holy but the Son of the Most High God, that's indicating His divinity, His oneness with Yahweh. He would be in person of the same essence of Yahweh, God Most High, which is why the prophet Malachi, my messenger, had said, the Lord Himself will suddenly come to His temple. The birth of Jesus was the appearance of Yahweh Himself into this world. The Lord himself will suddenly come to the temple. After 400 years of silence, the Lord was going to again be enthroned on the praises of his people. The message of the gospel was that God was creating again. That God was creating again, out of nothing, a body for his eternal son, who would embody Jesus, the grace of God to his people. John said this in hindsight, looking back on what happened. He said, from, for from his fullness, Jesus, we all have received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. It, it's basically as if Gabriel was saying, Here's your baby. Your baby's going to be born. And it's Yahweh. And it's Yahweh's grace. For you, Mary, 
You have peace with God, Mary. You have grace from God because of your baby that's about to be born. The personification of the Hesed and grace of the Father. And, and, and just as it took a miracle, Mary was pregnant by a miraculous work of the Holy Spirit. So too, we are reborn by a miraculous work of the Holy Spirit. The incarnation of God is the, uh, of the Son of God is the greatest act of creation, power, and might in history. <laughs> the universe, we see how great the universe is, but God becoming flesh in a little baby in, in Mary's womb, that's, that's equal power to creating the universe. And every time we receive that grace, every time we are born again, God's working that same kind of a miracle, creating out of nothing something in us by His grace through Jesus. Just as it took a miracle of God to create a body for His Son in the womb of the Virgin Mary, so it takes a miracle of grace to create faith and life in us to receive that grace and believe. Gabriel was announcing something really big. He was announcing something that was earth-shaking. What he was announcing was God's plan to save the world and make all things new. That was the gospel according to Gabriel. So what? That's why some of us put angels on top of our trees. <laughs> because this time of year we remember that first announcement of the gospel. There's nothing wrong with a star <laughs> and you can use the star to symbolize the gospel as well. But angels' presence at Christmas time meant something big was going to happen. And especially Gabriel. And he announces the gospel to Mary, to Zechariah, to Mary, and to us. After darkness, silence from God for 400 years. It's a way of preaching the gospel to ourselves. Whether it's a star or an angel, it's a reminder God's light has shone in the darkness. God's grace has been poured out. It's a reminder. Now, Luke doesn't tell us for sure that it was Gabriel who appeared to the shepherds. But I kind of think it might have been. Because if the angel of the Lord appeared to them, well, before Gabriel mentions his own name in Luke chapter 1, he's called the angel of the Lord. So we don't know for sure that Gabriel was the angel there in Shepherd's Field that led the angelic choir. But I kind of think it was because the message is the same. His gospel pro proclamation is the same. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Messiah, the Lord. And then that song that the angel choir sang there in the darkness outside of Bethlehem was filled with the message of the grace of the gospel just like the greeting that Gabriel gave Mary. Do not be afraid. You have peace with God. You have grace from God because you have found grace with God. And that grace, that revelation of the glory of God is going to be laying in a manger wrapped in strips of cloth. That message that the angel sang, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Mary, peace to you because you, God is pleased with you. You have found favor. You have found grace. 
so it's a message. Gabriel's message to Zechariah, to Mary, and the message of all the angels to the shepherds was the gospel to them, but to us as well. And here it is. Here's the gospel to you, people of New Philadelphia Presbyterian Church. Peace be upon you, O ones who have found grace. If somebody asks you, what do they teach at your church? They tell them, well, our pastor tells us, peace be upon us because we have found grace. You've experienced peace with God because you have found grace. And, and because of that grace was embodied in the person of your Savior. The, the Lord came to his temple, the messenger of the covenant. So, Let's use the symbols that we have on our trees to preach the gospel to ourselves this time of year. And not just to ourselves, but to anyone who comes into our home. Let our conversation be about things like, why do you have a star on your Christmas tree? What does the Advent wreath represent? Why do you have an angel? And let's use those things as opportunities to encourage our hearts in the gospel, but anyone who comes to visit, um, why do you decorate the outside of your house for Christmas if you do? To show that God's light is shining to the world. Tell your neighbors that. That's why I'm doing it. I'm not trying to keep up with the Griswolds. <laughs> I want the world to know that 2,000 years ago, God's chief messenger came and said, peace to you or ones who have found favor with God, who have found, or ones who have been graced, peace to you. May that be our message this Christmas. The gospel according to Gabriel. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that the gospel is true. Hallelujah. We have all experienced your salvation. Lord, I pray that this would be a different Christmas for all of us, that we would not be just wrapped up in the presents and the decorations and the cookies and the pies and the busyness, but that we would take this time of year to preach the gospel to ourselves, even using very familiar symbols that we maybe hadn't given much thought to whether it's a dove or a star or an angel, may it represent to us the peace that we have with God because the grace of God was poured out in the person of Jesus. Be near to us this week, O oh Lord. Be near to each family. I know we're all busy this year. Some of us are traveling. Some of us are having family in work parties, church parties. But Lord, please fill our hearts with your peace, knowing that the Prince of Peace has come and he is indeed even now sitting on the throne of his father David, reigning forever and ever of his kingdom, of the increase of his kingdom. There will be no end because he will sit on his father David's throne forever. Jesus, fill our hearts with a worship for you this time of year. And I pray for those that would come Friday night 
from this community and family members uh, that uh, don't normally attend. Lord God, I pray that they would experience the gospel, that they would come into our, our, our little humble assembly here in Quincy, and that they would experience the grace of, of God. Just as we even tell our, our own stories of grace, that they would hear that that grace is available to them if they will only repent and believe the gospel. Father, may this week be one of worship and celebration with great joy. Great joy. In Jesus' name. Amen.